Welcome to Saturday Night Rewind. I am here with the Rando Walter McDonald. And I am here with a Brian Paradise. I am one of many. <laughs> We're going to talk about season 46, episode 5 of Saturday Night Live, hosted by John Mulaney, his fourth time hosting, and with musical guest The Strokes. So, Randall, what do you think of this episode? I thought it was a very John Mulaney episode. It was everything that you want in a John Mulaney episode on SNL. Yeah, I think so, too. It he all his comedy always has a meta is maybe not the right word, but definitely like a a self analytical quality to it that he mm-hmm. kind of really writes from the perspective of an observer. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point, there's a lot of comedy this week where it was kind of looking at something kind of with a side eye and analyzing it and kind of talking about the premise a little bit. And I think that that was perfect. Yeah, it was very perfect. And we got another. A musical number from John Mulaney, and we got a very solid stand-up from John Mulaney, and those two always make me happy. Yeah, we you know expected new stand-up material. It's great to see John Mulaney. I was watching um, uh, either New in Town or The Comeback Kid, one of the two, Mm -hmm. uh, ones that you can find on Netflix this week. And I also rewatched Diner Lobster in prep for this week. And I don't know what they're going to, like the YouTube clip calls it New York Musical, but that's not the name of that sketch. No. I, like, I don't know if they're going to call it Souvenir Underwear or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that's what's interesting about already, because he's hosted so much in such a short period of time, he's already known for, obviously he's a stand-up, so he's going to do stand-up, but he's got a recurring sketch that is a pretty big to-do. Yes, yes. I I always wonder how much they rehearse these uh, musical sketches. We'll get to it, but I'm assuming not enough. <laughs> yeah, not, not enough, enough for is this what one. I would say. <laughs> and also, I think what's interesting, I, I felt like the first time they did it, Diner Lo- well, maybe that's not even true, that just the, um, the amount of money to clear all those songs for these things, because the first one they did, uh, Diner Lobster was all a Miz music, so mm-hmm. I'm assuming they're... I don't know if it's cheaper if you do one show, but this one was a lot. There was a lot of music that they were parodying and using the music for. Yeah, which is the very first episode that we did for our podcast. Uh, We did the John Mulaney one, and there was a lot of music in that one as well. Yeah, I'm assuming that in that episode, because they had David Byrne there, that they got that music for cheaper. Yeah. The, at least the, the Talking Heads music that they used. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes, So we we're going to start with the cold open. And this is what I have been talking about for four episodes. Mm-hmm. I want a political sketch that is not a recreation of something, but just kind of taking some ideas and making it into a sketch. And that is what we got. So this was uh, Jim Carrey back as Joe Biden with like a Halloween special from his house in Delaware, mm-hmm. which I, upon reflection, it, it seems like they modeled that pretty well on the the room that he's been using for interviews because they've shown him on television interviews before he was campaigning in person with just like those white bookshelves with stuff. Yeah. And so that seemed like eh, close enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a uh, <laughs> background accurate. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I did. I did like this one. It was shorter. Than any other one. I looked at the running time, which how long was this one? Uh, seven minutes and 47 seconds, I think, or something around there. So shorter by like four minutes yeah, than yeah. the previous ones. They almost cut it in half. And they were kind of forced to, right? Because there was nothing else going on right now that they could just mimic. So they had to come up with something. Yeah. I appreciate that they didn't force Trump in this sketch. I yes. was scared that they were going to try to somehow get him in the house. And I was like, you don't need him. You don't yes. need him. This sketch is holding on its own. This cold open is good as it is. And it was a classic uh, in sketch comedy. We call it an entrance and exit scenes where it's just yeah. characters coming in and out. Yeah. So the, I liked the idea that this was his Halloween special. They came out. I, what I wrote in my notes is they came to play this week politically. I think that sometimes SNL pulls their punches a little bit and tries to play both sides and using Jim Carrey for this feels right too because Jim Carrey in recent years has been known as like a anti-Trump artist. Mm-hmm. Like he does paintings that yeah. are that are acts of protest. His portrayal of Biden 
basically kind of taking some pretty good shots at uh, Trump right at the top, talking about uh, one of the ones that I wrote down was he got his Halloween decorations for Melania's Christmas stuff. I thought <laughs> was pretty good. And then when he tries to pull up a scary story, it is triggered the the Don Jr. book that came out a few months ago. So they really were just going straight at uh, Trump and the tr- Trump-adjacent people. And in the form of reading Edgar Allan Poe's The Raven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the rhyming, I think the rhyming scheme and the jokes that were in this uh, poem were were hitting very well, and I thought it was very well done. Yeah, and really what they were kind of playing on was, and this is, I felt like, was kind of like a bomb to some of my concerns about the, the upcoming election uh, on Tuesday, is that it basically uh, addressed a bunch of real anxieties that people are sharing right now. So it was a scary story in in the frame of the we're going to do the raven, but really what they were saying is that through the 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 guests in and out kind of folks mm-hmm. were addressing all these concerns. You know, Kate comes out as Hillary in the <laughs> embodiment of kind of overconfidence. Mm-hmm. They bring in Mikey as the guy from 538 politics to talk about like, oh, he's only got a one in six chance of uh, winning. Trump does. And then rolling two sixes or two ones in a row and then uh, <laughs> reading a rolling a contested electoral college. Yeah. And then Keenan and Chris is Ice Cube Lil Wayne yeah. and Beck as uh, Mitch McConnell with his gross hands. So <laughs> I thought that it was really great to be like, what are people? So they clearly premise the sketch on what are people? What are we worried about? Mm hmm. We're worried about the legitimacy of the process. We're worried about overconfidence. We're worried about like the effect of having these prominent rappers getting involved late in the game. And it was a great way of just kind of bringing them up in order to kind of take away some of their power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think they played perfectly into what everybody is feeling. Um and yeah, just and the other thing that they brought up, I think Jim Carrey in the very beginning of the sketch was like, it only happens once in a blue moon. And then it was. Oh, right. <laughs> it is literally a blue moon. We had a full moon last night. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that they hit on it. Yeah. This this election, there's all these I don't know what's going to happen and and all these like what if scenarios. And they played it, I think, perfectly. Yeah, I really liked it. It was it really it. It was funny, but it also just like made me feel good, which yeah. was important. Uh, I, I liked uh, when it, they said Maya comes on late in the sketch as Kamala. And at one point towards the end of the sketch, one of their lines is, it's never a good idea when Walmart stops selling guns. Yeah. Which is like a real <laughs> thing that's happening. Um, and, but a couple of times where it's the right at the end, they said, whatever happens, we're going to be okay. Relating to daylight savings time, which doesn't affect us here in Arizona, uh, let's gain an hour and lose a president. And then, even as they do the live for New York, it's Saturday night. They like had their fingers and arms crossed. Yeah, that was very cool. But yeah, like it just made me feel good, and I was very glad that we just didn't have to because it felt the reactions they were getting from the audience felt genuine, and they weren't just responses to essentially playing the hits like they have in these debate sketches. Here's this great line that Biden said, let's just have Jim Carrey say it. Mm-hmm. This felt very different than that, and I liked it. Yeah, yeah, very, very well done. Very well done, cold open. Yeah, so we're four for, or sorry, five for five now in terms of people just being a stand-up for their monologue or yes. telling stories. So John Mulaney came out and uh, did some very New York-centric COVID <laughs> uh, comedy. What do you think of John Mulaney? I thought he, I thought he was great. It was him in his element, uh, doing his John Mulaney thing, uh, getting very specific about certain scenarios, and I always love that. I also love he kind of did the same thing that the cold open did. Was we're gonna be okay? Um, it kind of it gave me a little bit of like warmth in these troubling yeah. times. Um, and the other thing I liked is he kind of did the same thing a little bit that Adele did last week, where he was like, "I'd like to thank everybody who put this show together." Yeah. This felt like, in a few different places, it was a very New York show. Mm-hmm. And obviously, has a tendency to do that because it's from New York. But, you know, they are continuing to invite first responders to be in the audience. So he's playing to a group of people that he has a lot of respect for. And then there was the kind of New York PSA later in the sketch that also plays pretty directly to New Yorkers. Here's talking about Governor Cuomo show, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. We even felt that here in, in the Paradise household, that especially April, May, when he was sparring more directly with uh, President Trump, that it was just fun to see, like, what did Cuomo say today? Yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> and playing on that. And then I, I liked his very specific allusion to Jane Lynch. Yes. Yes. Which, it's one of those things where it's like completely true despite it being a non sequitur, but was great. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, a, the, the details. He gets so specific about one thing to make this like analogy. And it's always hilarious. Cause you're like, yeah, I didn't even think about that. This actually plays this whole, the theme of both the cold open and the monologue felt very specific to the week that I've had because I listened to this podcast called the pessimist archive. It is super good. I recommend anybody listening to this to listen to that. And it basically takes a technological innovation that we take for granted, puts it in the context in which it was developing, and all of the kind of responses to that. Hmm. As an example, he had an episode, it's a guy named Jason Pfeiffer. So he had an example of the Telegraph. And basically, there was a bunch of people... When that was happening, they were saying this is going to be the death of interpersonal communication. We will no longer write. This is going to be awful for everybody and kind of related that to how people talk about Twitter. So basically, the the premise of this podcast is that like our reactions to things remain similar even as times change. Mm -hmm. All that being said, he did an episode about the phrase, this is the most important election of our lifetimes, (laughs) which has become something we've said repeatedly and you hear all over the place. And apparently the first uttering of that was in like 18 something, like the early 1800s where that sentiment was made that that specific hyperbole, it wasn't a presidential election. It was some kind of gubernatorial race, but the idea that we have been saying that it has been, this is the most important election of our lifetimes for probably 180 years. And that can't be true. Yeah. (laughs) Can't be true every time, right? And this feels like a very momentous time in our history. Yeah. But it's always felt that way. Yeah. It will always feel that way. And I think that him kind of talking about that in the context of uh, this, where it's like, there will oh, there'll be mean girls at, at sleepovers. Mm-hmm. Jane Lynch will continue to book gigs because she is so talented. And I, that felt right. Yeah. Yeah. We're America. We're going to be okay. Um, but while we're in it, it feels like hell. And yeah, he was very good. His analogy. I really liked his, uh, his uh, kind of saying it's an elderly contest. It's a yes. who's the there's two elderly men that, that we're going to vote for. Yeah. And we might get the same one and we might not, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. On, he said on November 3rd, we're having an elderly man contest. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of uh, old people, it was funny that he was uh, he was talking about his grandmother, who's 94, who who was voting, comparing it to you shouldn't be able to order for the table when you're about <laughs> to leave the restaurant. Uh, and then he got the boo he was expecting or kind of the unsettled sound he was expecting and then followed up with, oh, I know that's not fair. It's almost like calling yourselves the greatest generation, which yeah. is great. Which was a great, yeah, yeah, great joke. Uh, his whole Nana story was was very funny. Yeah. She was like, I used to be this person. And now I'm just John Mulaney's grandma. But if you weren't my grandson, I wouldn't know who you were. Yeah, which is <laughs> great. Such a, such a greatest generation thing to say. Indeed. Yeah. So he's always going to he's he's. Oh, the thing he said right at the beginning that I liked is that uh, he's here for his fourth time. I don't think anybody has ever hosted that many times, <laughs> uh, which is knowing he obviously knows the show very well, and he knows that he's one show away from the Five Timers Club. Mm-hmm. And I really do appreciate that he yeah. made that uh, made that joke. That is the most my favorite my favorite thing they said in the beginning was when he said, "I am a comedian," which I refer to us as the last responders. Oh yeah, yeah, I thought it was really and good. And people, you know, us being in the entertainment business, we really do feel like. Don't you feel non-essential? I feel so non-essential. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, another great monologue from Melanie. Not surprised. Yeah. And then we. So this was interesting because I normally wrote my, write my notes in act breaks. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, Hulu was being very kind to me and did not present me with any commercials for the entirety of me wow. watching this episode. That's very nice. So I was like, oh, they went right into the Reese DeWitt sketch. Oh, they went to... Oh, and then I realized I wasn't getting any commercials. <laughs> so our first sketch, I'm assuming, because I watched this on Hulu and I did not get any ad breaks, I'm assuming was after the first commercial break, mm-hmm. is uh, Cinema Classics, which... I like Cinema Classics because it uses it is a recurring sketch, but the content is always different. Mm-hmm. The only thing that is consistent is Keenan as Reese Do what? <laughs> which I yeah, 
we've said this a few times. Just put put Keenan in every sketch because he's great. Yeah. Uh, and this is really felt like a John Mulaney sketch. Talk to me about this one. Yes, I was gonna say as soon as it was coming on, and it was so specific. It's uh, Alfred Hitchcock's uh, The Birds. And just that it's an old timey movie and it's so specific to what it's about, this deleted scene. I was like, John Mulaney had to have written this sketch. It's so absurd. Yeah. So Kate is here as Tippi Hedren, who is the, the star of The Birds. Mm-hmm. And then John Mulaney is like a sheriff that she is calling for help because there's a there's a pivotal scene in The Birds in which she is stuck in that phone booth. Mm-hmm. So it's taking it from there. Um, this is kind of starts a bunch of really good prop work yeah. in this this uh, episode where she, her costume is great. She's in the same outfit as Tippi Hedren from that scene in the movie. And she they're in a phone booth and there's all these kind of seagulls on fishing wire. Mm-hmm. And it's great. And what's nice about having the Reese DeWitt framing is that they could have her call John Mulaney, explain her situation and him be like, wait a minute doing his John Mulaney metatextual kind of stuff. Yes. And then they can go back to Reese so that they could bring Mulaney into the phone booth. And I think his mic was messed up. Or at least there was some problem with his audio because he oh. sounded really muffled when he was in there and she didn't. Oh. That's neither here nor there. That's I didn't me. even notice that. Yeah. When, especially like when he was facing like left and his face was like really like in the corner of the mm. phone booth. That's not a big deal. I just <laughs> noticed it. Uh, but yeah, I, I wrote, yeah, I wrote, down, I wrote down in my notes, great prop work. Uh, with the seagulls, which then have the seagulls that are holding turtles, and then there the seagull that uses the glass cutter and then tries to stab her. Uh-huh. There's just like a nice, just like this. This the only, the only thing we're trying to say with this sketch is this premise of this movie is weird. Yes, yeah, it's a very weird, and they never explain why it's happening. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, and then towards the end, John Mulaney's like, I don't know, just kiss me, and she's like, that's not. <laughs> That's not what this is. That's <laughs> right. very funny. Right. Because it feels like all those old-timey movies, there's a kiss for no yeah. reason, really. <laughs> yeah. And I like I, I like Keenan with a couple of good lines and a funny name. And he's great. And he's got the... I think the... I, I don't know. I am not a good guesser when he like makes bad guesses to his wife. Mm-hmm. is like a running gag for Reese DeWitt in yeah. these uh, cinema classic sketches. But... It was great. It was funny. It was simple. I felt like none of these sketches overstayed their welcome. They felt like a really good pace to this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And they all ended when they should have ended. I feel yeah. Like. Yeah. So uh, after that, we get a filmed sketch, uh, Strolling to the Poles. Yes. With uh, Keenan, Chris, Punky, and Ego. And what I re- this is the first time I think they have all been together. Mm since the beginning of the season. Yeah. And what I liked about it was like, isn't it so nice that there are two black men and two black women? Mm-hmm. I don't think that has ever happened on SNL. Like there was a period where there wasn't even a black woman. So that's when Keenan was doing Whoopi and drag. Yeah. So just the idea that there's, uh, there's four African-American people and they get to just do their own sketch about voter suppression mm-hmm. was great. Yes. I loved, I loved the whole, premise of it it was like this very what like a 70s type groove yeah. thing and uh all of them were just hilarious and they're all such good singers too yeah i was so surprised at chris red singing i was like oh, i didn't realize he could sing that well oh yeah well he uh he did what bring uh bring back barack oh yeah yeah, so yeah. he's really good in yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. i think they were nominated for an emmy for that one too really i think so oh, i might be awesome. making that up but i know that at least some of their film sketches that Chris has been part of have, have been nominated. But wow. this one was great. It was just uh, a good, like, oh, this is this fun thing. We're going to go to the polls. And then mm-hmm. really highlighting systematic voter suppression. Uh, yeah. At one point, I think Ego says, like, I regret living in Texas. Yeah. So kind of <laughs> putting even a finer point on it that, you know, so in the sketch, it's those that are going to stroll to the polls, and then John is the polling place person at all the polling places that are all closed. Yes. And they end up having to go way out of town and then wait for hours, and then they didn't bring masks, and then they can't vote. <laughs> which is... Which is great. Which is definitely going to happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and they also have the detail of like the kind of proud boy looking guy yeah. uh, with in front of the polling place. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The big, the big burly bearded man. Yeah. Who I have no idea who. I'm that not was. gonna call him a militia member because they're domestic terrorists. But the yeah. 
the guy in paramilitary gear with an AK-47. Yeah, that uh, also didn't have a mask. (laughs) Also didn't have a mask, but he wasn't in the polling case. Yeah. Um, One of my... The thing that I really appreciated was when they got in line and they were waiting in line. Yeah. While it was happening, in my head, I was like, they. I hope that they sing the song and stop every single time. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. And I was like, yes, yes, they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, it, it felt good where basically they got denied a bunch of times. Then they were like strolling on the highway. And then when <laughs> they get there, it's even long and whatever. And then they did that where they were trying to keep the musical kind of thing going. I thought it was... Yeah. It was, this is another political sketch where it is not a recreation of something. It is actually talking about a real issue, and it was great. Mm-hmm. An original sketch. Right. And uh, yeah, great. great. It, it escalated perfectly and uh, ended perfectly, I thought. I, I thought it was, yeah, really good and a perfect thing at the end with, with the mask wearing, mm-hmm. which I foresee being something we hear about on Tuesday. Yep. So <laughs> trying not to be... Stress too much, <laughs> have too much existential dread. So uh, then we get uh, a sketch that is essentially about giving yourself a blowjob. Ah, oh, yes, I loved this sketch. It was really funny. <laughs> that uh, <laughs> this was this was definitely a John Mulaney premise. I feel like this was a John Mulaney premise. Yeah, just very God, it was just so sheepishly in the way they get to there. Uh-huh. And then they start beating you over the head with it, which I thought was very funny. Oh, so um, John Mulaney is Ichabod Crane. Beck is the Headless Horseman. And then uh, Mulaney... Uh, and, and the costume work for the Headless Horseman looked great. Yeah. It, it looked was, like they had like a... The right arm was like puppeted. And then the left hand was clearly part of the costume that obscured Beck's neck. So you could just see his face. And then they had a whole horse and a cloak and whatever. And it looked really good. Yeah. And then... John's character as Ichabod just starts asking him, like, you know, your your head's already detached. Right. What do you do with that? Well, yeah. You just, uh, you ever? You ever just pleasure yourself? Yeah. And I like that they got there pretty quickly yeah, in the sketch. Did. Like, instead of, like, trying to set it up, they're like, no, this is a joke, so we're just going to do it. Right. This is, yeah, and then Pete joins and Mikey joins with all similar questions. They also talk about doing... Uh, some uh, light assault by putting your head in a dressing room yeah. and uh, <laughs> checking things out. And it was just very funny in its construction and the way I like that when it's, I like the idea that all the characters like the bros mm-hmm. that were not the headless horsemen all had the same, like heard that this guy was here and had some questions <laughs> and they were all the same questions. Yes. Yes. The exact same. It was just boys being boys. Yeah. Uh, they, they have the specific thing about, the head being dishwasher safe because Mikey Day's character is concerned about cleanup. <laughs> and then I said, I'll just go out the neck. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then another another quote from earlier was uh, John's character saying, when, you know what they say, when life gives you a severed head, put the mouth under dingus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which, yikes. Uh, yes, we all know that saying. Yeah. Uh, oh, th- yeah. And then kind of the pun at the end where things are, are coming to a head. Mm hmm. Very funny. Very funny. Pete's character saying that they're Puritans are the most repressed, the most sexually repressed people in the history of the world. Yeah, yeah. The, and uh, uh, John Mulaney also said we're Puritans, homie, or something like yeah. that. Which I just thought that was so funny. Yeah, they kind of. It was interesting as the sketch went on. They also kind of broke the time period in, in appropriate ways, right? Talking about the the dishwasher and, right. and that kind of thing, and then using some kind of more colloquial language. <laughs> And then the they had the title card with Happy Halloween from NBC, which also feels like a, a dig at their their standards and practices, people. Yeah, yeah. And then I think they ended it with, this is clearly written by Lauren Michaels or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we want to thank uh, NBC and mostly Lauren who wrote this sketch, which <laughs> yes. feels good. Yeah, a little jab at the boss is always funny. Yeah, I wish I could have been in that, in that room when they were discussing this sketch. <laughs> yeah. So then we get uh, the kind of sketch I talked about earlier, this kind of filmed sketch uh, that was basically Ego, Heidi, and Chris talking about how much they love New York. And they were, it was shot outside and felt like it featured so the cast members thanking New York. And then also a bunch of either extras or real first responders, hard to tell, uh-huh. that they were thanking kind of throughout the sketch. And then the layer on top of that is... Kate as this 
weird lady in Central Park. Yeah, I'm sure they see a lot of this type of person in New York, which again ties to the very New York theme to this show. Um, But yeah, it was Kate being Kate, just Mm -hmm. being weird in the background, uh, which we all love watching Kate being Kate. Yeah, and I think the point they're making is that it's almost like a cute Portland weird kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. you could not, the, the coronavirus could not break the spirit of the city. And they were going to showing that through Kate as this woman that they describe in one part as she is not, not a professor at Columbia. <laughs> this <laughs> right. weird free spirit lady that another detail, they said she's in a 40 story rent controlled walk up. So once she's out of the house, she's out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like she's not homeless, but she just like spends a lot of time outside. Yeah. Yeah, and she's very she's very free. She likes to go topless a, a lot. Taken straight, you get the message of the, we love the city. We love that it is still New York despite everything. Mm-hmm. Thanks some people that are really making that happen, and then also you know trying to, not getting too sincere by having Kate as the topless lady. Yes, yeah. And what was cool about the way that they did it is that she was kind of out of focus on a bench the first time you see her, and then she just kind of ends up more and more prominent in the frame as the sketch goes from just being a sincere thank you to first responders to this is a sketch about a weird lady, which also I really liked in it, them taking their time with that. Yeah, and I think they got an applause too somewhere in in the in the thanking of the first responders yeah. that like the audience was like, oh, this is a very nice message. Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. And certainly helps that they're playing to a bunch of first responders. You, right. So I think that I, I really liked it Again, I think that there was a concerted effort to alleviate some doom this mm-hmm. week. So I, I, I personally appreciated it. I thought this was really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. So we got the strokes. I thought it was interesting. So when John introduced the strokes, normally it is, ladies and gentlemen, the strokes. Yes. And then the second time, it's once again, the strokes. That is the way that it works. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, he went, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it's the strokes. Yes. I noticed this too. And I was like, ah, that is so different. (laughs) Yeah. He's got a whole bit on one of his specials about Patrick Stewart bringing on Salt and Peppa on SNL. Have you heard this bit? Yes. Yes. Yeah, where he's... uh, where he kind of says salt and Peppa <laughs> with just surprise. And he creates this whole thing where like maybe Peppa was missing and then he, she, he's, he's there on stage and it's like, oh, and Peppa. Oh. So I think that this was, I don't know if he's thinking about that, but it reminded me of that where he was trying to put a little bit of his own kind of flavor on that. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if there is a rule that you have to say it that way. And maybe he was like, I, you can say it any way you want. Right. Yeah, I think that, you know, the there's a few things where it's like, stick around, we'll be right back. The way that you introduced the band both times is the same all the time. Ladies and gentlemen, we got a great show for you tonight. Yeah, they always do that. So stick around, we'll be right yeah. back. So Strokes were great. What I don't think I had ever seen them live. I knew that they were a five-piece, but I could not have picked those dudes out of a lineup. Mm-mm, not at all. Yeah, I don't think I, I knew what they looked like at all. Um, they weren't as uh, lively as I thought they would be. Yeah. Uh, but they sounded great. They sounded like they do on on records. Yeah, I think I I like when a band live sounds like the album. So I mm-hmm. think that's you know clearly they can do it in the studio. They can do it on stage. It kind of reminded me a couple of years ago I saw Incubus, mm-hmm. who were important to me as a teenager. Like I think their first their first big album came out when I was in high school, and I saw them because they're opening for Jimmy Eat World, which is a local. Arizona band and who are great. So mm-hmm. we were basically there for the opening act and then we stuck around to watch Incubus for a little bit. And they, Incubus was, sounded great, but indifferent to the fact that there were people in the audience. Mm. And that, this Strokes performance reminded me a little bit of that where they're doing a great job. Yeah. But not connecting to the audience in the way that you saw with Jack White or some of the other musical acts that we saw, or even her, yeah. just seemed like there was less of a kind of conversation happening between the band and the audience. Yeah, the guy covered his, his face a lot. Yeah. I noticed that. So they were fine. They sounded good. It was new music from what I presume to be their new album. Yeah. They sounded like The Strokes. Yeah. Which was good. First song was Adults Are Talking. The second song is called Bad Decisions. Mm. It's fine. 
So I'm thinking that at the end of the season, we'll do like best of awards okay. of like hosts and sketches and performances and that kind of thing. And the yeah. strokes, I don't think we'll make my top five. No. Nope. <laughs> top 10. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's just, we'll find out. <laughs> so we get to update and they, again, it really felt like the gloves were off this, yep. this episode where the first thing they talked about was Trump blaming doctors for over-reporting COVID-19 as that's like a winning strategy. Yes, yes. After the doctors just took care of him. <laughs> yeah. Which is very funny. Weekend Update has been on a roll. Yeah. I think they're on a really good streak right now. They've really found their rhythm this season, and yes. I'm loving every bit of it. Yeah. They, they talked about uh, that uh, Trump has killed more than Dahmer and John Wayne Gacy combined. Yeah, uh, because we've and that's related to this report that came out that Trump rallies are directly contributable to 30,000 infections and 700 deaths. Yep. So he is literally killing his supporters. Yeah. And they were like that. Some people say he's not a politician and that's because no politician would kill their voters right before an election. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and that I really liked the uh, the Che joke that. Related to Ice Cube and Lil Wayne, who were in the the cold open, that had recently endorsed Trump, mm-hmm. saying and Fifty Cent's kind of in that conversation. He kind of backed off a little bit yeah. on his support. We're basically saying that like rappers are not leaders. Yeah, like, why? Like we wouldn't like you wouldn't expect Gilbert Godfrey to to have the voice of the president just because he represents comedians. Yeah, like represents Jews, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was appropriate. And it, I think it is. It speak, especially from Chase's perspective, it speaks to a fundamental, a fundamental misunderstanding of who is important in the black community. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, this is the black guy I know, so I'm going to call it this black guy, which just feels just. It's uh, like pandering. It's, yeah, it's, it's definitely basic. pandering. It's yeah, yeah, cynical. That's the cynical. word I'm looking for. It is just a cynical move. I need some black voters. I'm going to find this black person that agrees with me mm-hmm. that they like. Right, right. Like, but it's but you know. You know that if Trump was in a place and heard a Lil Wayne song, oh yeah, he would have unkind things to say about it. Oh yeah, well, and and uh, it kind of goes both both sides because uh, I mean I saw it with uh, what did Joe Biden interviewed Cardi B and it was like right. Well, this is you don't know one Cardi B song, Joe no. Biden. No, the seventy-seven-year-old <laughs> grandpa Cardi yeah. B does not know any Cardi B songs. Right, right, right. It's like this political thing, and and yeah, Che pointed it out. Uh, no other time in history have we ever been like, I want to go talk to this rapper about right. politics. Right, but these are also the same, you know, this is also the person that has told some African-American oh, yeah. celebrities that are actual activists to shut up and dribble. Yep. yep. So, like, LeBron has a plan to increase voter turnout he needs to shut up and dribble, but I'll bring out Ice Cube. Right, right. I'll bring out one of the guys from NWA. Yeah, and not tell them to shut up and rap. I was trying to come up with a funnier word for rap, but I couldn't. Rap. <laughs> shut up and rhyme talk. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so I, uh, I, I'm such a sucker for, and I think, I'm not sure who started this construction. I associate it with, Stephen Colbert, but I like when they do in this in this episode they go Jared Kushner seen here looking like a child dressed up for for a funeral. Yes, like I just like that construction where introduce the person, make a quick joke, and then move on. And yeah. Colbert does that all the time. Yeah, I think it was brilliant. Colbert who started doing it on the Colbert Show. Yeah, on 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 the rapport, and then now on his late show, it is so I really I'm a sucker for it, and it's very funny. Yeah, and also Jared does look like a child dressed up for a funeral. <laughs> He is my age and uh, wow. with much better skin. <laughs> uh, also, I thought it was interesting. Uh, che talked about how he and Jost might not be together much longer because they're going to both get drafted in the race war. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess uh, also I liked Che said, um, you know, we've had a, you know, it's been a big year. You married ScarJo and I got, or Scarlett Johansson. I wrote ScarJo because that is less yeah. characters. <laughs> you you married ScarJo Johansson and I got electric bikes, so we're both doing equally well. Yeah, yeah, that was a great joke. Yeah. So funny. I and and they again their chemistry together. I like this thing where Che is kind of throwing out these really dark jokes, and then he cracks up on it, and then you have Joe's who's doing like. 
these lighter jokes, so he gives it with like a straight face. Yeah. I, I think he's working on his delivering it straight. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, yeah, I think their dynamic is great. Um, I really liked the constipated accountant. Thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, what, what, what was with the. I like that he actually asked. Yeah, yeah. Like, what is it? <laughs> Which yeah, is he, very funny. Yeah. You uh, couldn't make a deposit, so we had to work it out with a pencil. Yeah. It's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I think uh, another one of my favorite Che jokes that he said was the police officer yelling uh, Trump 2020. And he was like, you have to whisper that while you're choking someone. <laughs> <Or> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really, that was really good. That was a great joke. Yeah. Trump 2020 can only be, whis- you can't yell Trump 2020. It can yeah. only be whispered while you're choking someone out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the correspondent this week yes. is Kyle Mooney in his return as Baby Yoda. Yes. Do you not like I have this? no patience for this. I hate no, it. No, you I don't hate like it. it. Ah, this is where we disagree. Try to convince me. I like it because it's Kyle Mooney basically being Kyle Mooney in a costume. I fell in love with Kyle Mooney during his YouTube days before okay. he was on SNL. And he has this great one, this great bit where he's asking someone, hey, man, you want to get high? And like, hey, you want to smoke a little bit? And he does this great character. And that's basically the character that he does when he's Baby Yoda. And right. I think it's funny, but it's because I love Kyle Mooney yeah, from his I, YouTube days. Like, I know what they're doing. Like, yeah. I know what th- I know the joke is that he is playing this, and they even name check him a little bit, like Jake Paul uh-huh. type, this just unbearable, kind of bro-y, young Yoda guy. But he happens to be the child from The Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, uh, like, I think part, so I just think that those jokes wouldn't be funny already where like the, the, this bravado-y whatever. I just don't, I, I don't think the character is interesting enough for it to work. Like, yeah. and, and maybe I, the first time it happened, I was like, God, this sucks. <laughs> and then when he, when they started, when they were introducing him, talking about, well, season two of the Mandalorian started this week. I'm like, oh, oh no. God damn it. <laughs> I'm going to deal with this thing. And thankfully it was short yeah, I just uh, it was sure. It is my, not for me, I guess. My favorite was when he said they need me dancing more, and then Che goes, "I don't think it's that type of show." And then he just goes, "No, nah, but it is though," like under his breath almost, and that kind of broke Che. And I think that that was like unscripted, yeah. and I love that. I love when when they catch each other off guard. But yeah, I think it's one of those things where you watch someone do a character on YouTube and now they're on SNL and then they can kind of bring that character back in some type of way as a fan of Kyle Mooney. I enjoy it. Yeah. I'll, I will, I will say that the show is not exclusively for me. So there's definitely going to be things that I don't like, but like, Oh man, I will take five weirdo Heidi Gardner characters before <laughs> I take uh, <laughs> that, that specific thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh God, it made me so mad. Um, <laughs> I'm moving on. Uh, it it was a pretty short update. So only one correspondent sketch, yeah. which I thought was fine. This kind of keep, keeps the thing going with update or this the whole show where kind of things were shorter. Yeah, I they're switching off who does update every show. It feels like like last week we got uh, Melissa. Yeah. And uh, her little bit. It feels like they're like, hey, you got to go out. What are you gonna do? You right. Know? And so yeah, yeah. Keeping the the people that are participating in the correspondence sketches, yeah, there hasn't been really a, a repeat yet. Mm-mm. Yeah. So then we get to what everybody was waiting for, which is the musical number. But this is the in the tradition of Diner Lobster and Airport Sushi and Bodega Bathroom, but not probably, in that order. Probably called Souvenir Shop or something. I hope yeah, Souvenir yeah. Shop or Souvenir un- Briefs. Something yeah. like that. I wrote souvenir store briefs. That's what I wrote for my <laughs> for my notes. So same construction uh, at the beginning where it is Mulaney is a proprietor of something. Mm-hmm. And then Chris and Pete are there. In this place, they're in a in this sketch, they're in a souvenir store in Times Square. And Pete, his role is to get the thing that nobody should get in that context. Mm-hmm. And he gets some like truly gross looking men's briefs <laughs> that say I love New York and then that brings out this whole Times Square specific collection of musical numbers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the one sketch that you know will be in a John Mulaney. Now, yeah. He's got a yeah. recurring bit. Yeah. And uh, it was good. It wasn't my favorite one that they've done so far. It definitely seemed like, we said this earlier, they seemed unprepared more this time than ever. Goodness. I have been part of many a kick line. And that one <laughs> yeah. was the, the, the wrongest for the longest that yes. I've seen. where. Because typically, when you when a kick line begins, because they're doing uh, "Luck Be a Lady" towards yeah. the beginning, or a parody of "Luck Be a Lady," like it doesn't. When you're in a kick line, there are two options: left or right. And yes. if you're doing the wrong one, then do the right one, and then you're fine. And they just like could not figure it out. No. Like Melissa just like was not doing anything. Yeah. So this was I, I didn't even so I wrote I wrote down as many of the cast members as I could. So. Um, Keenan, so they had a, the first group were a bunch of the Times Square performers, people. Mm-hmm. So Keenan as a minion, and then they had Melissa and Bowen, Mikey and Lauren as kind of various kind of Times Square take a photo with me characters. They did what I wrote down was kick line is rough. Um, <laughs> so they're doing uh, a parody of Luck Be a Lady from Guys and Dolls, one from a chorus line, send in the clowns from A Little Night Music. They, I don't know the specific th- song they did from Fiddler on the Roof, but they did one yeah. with the diddler on the roof. <laughs> uh, they did Maya, and I couldn't place the specific song she was doing. It felt like something from the Sondheim Musical Company, mm, but yeah. I wasn't sure. I think it was Ladies Who Lunch like, but I'm yeah. not sure if it was that specific song. And then they had... Uh, so, uh, so Chloe came in as a woman with visible COVID singing super stre- spreader in the um, style of Hey Big Spender. Mm-hmm. So it was, and then they finished with Three Days More, which was a period of One Day More from yes. Les Mis. Yes, so yes. That's all the music they covered. So a lot and all, and they, I think all these have been Broadway musical centric. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very Broadway, which is very New York. Yeah, and I, I thought it was great. So it was some very specific stuff talking about they missed the TKTS booth, which mm-hmm. where you get free tickets. Um, they had Beck as a diddler on the roof. I thought that... Beck w- uh, just blew one of his lines. Yes, yes. And I laughed so hard. I was like, ah, I've been there. Yeah. Well, it's so funny. He just like didn't even pretend to say things. He just like phonated <laughs> a little bit, which was great. And then it was great to see when they cut from the 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 single on him to the wide and seeing just like the degree to which people were giving kind of incredulous looks. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he cracked he cracked up Pete Davidson and Chris Red at the same time. Yeah. After the song, where he said something and they both turned away. And I was yeah. like, ah. Oh. Yeah, Pete, uh, what's I think good about Pete in these sketches, he's basically just along for the ride. Mm-hmm. So he just has his kind of interstitial things to say and then just gets to enjoy what's happening. Yeah. But yeah, this one just felt also also the on the diddler on the roof thing, you could see the the grip or the stagehand bringing on the dolly that he was on. Yeah. On the wagon that he was on. So it felt just in general. Yeah. Under rehearsed. Yeah. I also noticed, I don't know if you noticed it, the boom mic shadow. On Maya. I did not see that. At the very beginning when she came out, there's just this obvious boom mic shadow that is over her. And I was like, ah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was just between the, like, I'm I'm here for these things. I like that he's got a signature bit and it is fun. So like, um, especially because it's Broadway musical stuff because I'm a Broadway musical fan. Yeah. But it definitely felt like it was under cooked a little bit between the choreography that they just like, couldn't do the timing. Cause I think there's a lot of stagehand stuff that they just do a good job of um, not cutting cause it's live, but going to the right cameras so they can bring those kinds of things in without us seeing. Yeah. Like clearly that camera operator was not framed the way he needed to be or she needed to be, or like the other camera they couldn't go to whatever. So that was a camera operator directorial thing. Yeah. And then at the end, when they're doing three days more, John like counted them in. Right. Which I feel like he felt like he needed to do. I don't know if that was something that happened in dress or early rehearsals that they were struggling with that entrance, but he counted them in like not in character. It was just two, three, four. And then they all came (laughs) in. And they were still a little bit off. Still a little bit off. And then also, did you notice that there was a conductor there? No, I didn't even notice. So when they, when they cut, when they, you know, did that kind of let's pan away from the, the set, thing you could see that there was a guy cross-legged uh 
conducting. Oh, wow. So you can see, he, uh, when they show him, he's doing that like uh, spear finger things, like hold out your note, and then he cut him off. So you could see him there. So there was between the the cue card guy and the conductor and John doing their <laughs> best, doing his best. It uh, just felt like it was a little rushed mm-hmm. in, in its development, but it was still funny. Yeah, still funny. Still what you expect. And yeah, I was hoping for maybe a guest appearance because last time we got Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Well, they like, got Maya. So I guess, you know, it's oh, good yeah, to yeah. again see her around and she's such a great singer. That's true. I keep forgetting that she's not a part of the cast. Right. Well, that's what it feels like, right? Well, she, yeah. she and she, uh, I found out both of her parents were professional vocalists. Oh. So she's got kind of voc- kind of vocal training in her kind of family. Oh, well, it shows. Yeah. yeah. She's very good. And uh, the, the Mikey Day's character, who's kind of like this uh, bum in the sketch, asked where Rick Baranis was, which yeah. um, related to him just getting decked. Yep. Which which Bill Burr talked about when during his monologue. Uh-huh. Yeah. So souvenir store briefs is what I will call it today. Uh, I thought it was great. Uh, I think I, I still think probably it's airport bath or uh, airport sushi or diner lobster. Yeah. Are my favorite of the four. I agree. Yeah. This one I think was better than bodega bathroom, but it's, yeah. you know, it's just hard to, it's hard to top yourself from last time, but I felt that it was good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was very good. Very funny. So I'm just going to skip over the uh, second Strokes performance because it happened. Yeah. They, then, all, they all wore jackets. They time. all wore jackets. <laughs> so then we get uh, another repeated sketch. We get uh, John Mulaney as the meme uncle guy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't catch this right away because they he introduces the the people around the table. So it's John... And Chris and Chloe and Melissa and Pete all in a kind of conference room. Mm-hmm. John's character introduces his nephew, and that got a reaction. Yeah. And I guess if you had remembered his hair, like his wig from the last time, yeah. you would have picked it up. And I guess I didn't this time. Uh, it was the Uncle Meme sketch. What do you think of this one? So we talked about this one on our first episode. Yeah. It feels like it could be done on Weekend Update. We all see memes. I don't know. I I thought it was a pretty much a repeat of the last time they did it. I mean, there wasn't a whole lot more. Uh, maybe the memes were funnier this time around. I think it benefited from two things because I liked this iteration better. Mm. And I think it benefited from having more a more interesting setting mm-hmm. because you're a family bringing up things on a television as memes is strange. Yeah. But him like in a conference room setting in the context of these are people he works with. Yeah. I thought created different stakes because instead of like an uncle being annoyed with his nephew with the family around, he was able to like, there was the extra layer of in the world of this family, he got his nephew a job at his company and his nephew is, um, giving him a hard time. And there was the extra thing of Chris approving, mm-hmm. which we didn't really get in the, the previous version. No, we didn't get that. And I, on top of that, they also went after John Mulaney's character at the end of the sketch. Yes. Where they showed how much of a scumbag he is. Yeah. So that's what I thought was good too. It's like, oh, maybe this dude just like deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which I really liked that. So what I wrote down is like a nice angle on this character. So they brought back this recurring bit, but put it in a different context and put, gave more depth to his character that like, yeah, maybe he deserves it because uh, he goes for women in jails that are between 18 and 24 because in his defense, they are much easier to control. Yes. Yeah. So this, so John Mulaney's character is a terrible person. Yeah. And I thought it's like, oh well, now I don't feel like it is clear that he deserves this. Yeah. And they also maybe did like seven, as opposed to like twelve from right. the last time. I was gonna say what the other thing I really liked was it was short. I think it was like three minutes long. Yeah. Which was nice. And this took the kind of last sketch of the night proper place, the live sketch after the second musical guest before the good nights. Uh-huh. And so I thought it, it belonged there. I think the other problem that I had with the first iteration is it was like the first or second sketch. Right. So it was by nature longer and had a more prominent place. This is a perfect kind of back end of the show sketch. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, it was it was funnier than the first time that yes. they did it, and uh, yeah, I mean, I I wonder if it'll be a re- reoccurring sketch as well next time we see John Mulaney. Yeah, which apparently is going to be next week or something. Right? Yeah, like his with the the I read that he is the fastest cast member to get to four. Yeah, which or for fastest guest host to get to four times. Right. And I would imagine this is my wild speculation theater, but I feel like I'm going to be right. I feel like when he comes back for his fifth, they're going to do an actual five timers club sketch. Oh, cause he is somebody that loved the show so much yeah. that he would appreciate the five timers club. And that is, I think that is one of my favorite all time sketches. The mm-hmm. first, the first iteration of the five timers club with Tom Hanks. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love it. <laughs> so I could see him. This is next year at the earliest, I would imagine. But I I would not be surprised. So that's a whole episode. So let's talk about our awards. What was your favorite sketch? Uh, I'm going to be such a dude. But uh, the Headless Horseman was my favorite sketch of okay. the night. <laughs> I just liked it was so different from what we've gotten this whole season where there was really no angle on it at yeah. all. No political angle. Just... It felt like uh, a normal SNL sketch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Somebody had had an idea and and adapted it to Halloween, and it was great. Yeah, yeah. I think my favorite was Cinema Classics, the mm. the birds sketch. Yes. C- Kate is such a strong performer and is doing such a good Tippy Hedren kind of homage throughout. And yeah. John doing his kind of deadpan thing was great. Yeah. So I but in in a uh, a night of all the sketches were good. Yes. And we talked a little about this, um, kind of talking about how prominent somebody was going to be in the sketches, that John was in every single thing, mm-hmm. and he was the focus of everything. Yes. Yeah. Who's your favorite cast member this week? Who's your most ready for primetime player? This one was hard, because there wasn't like one person who was very, like, who really stood out. Um, I think they use everyone kind of equally in this. Um but uh, when I was thinking about it, I think at the end of the day, it's uh, it's Beck Bennett. Yeah. So talk yeah. to me about that. I, I think his, first off, his Mitch McConnell is hilarious. He's very solid with that. Uh, he did a great job playing the straight man in the Headless Horseman yes. uh, sketch. The, in, um, I, I just think he was very solid this whole episode. And then him messing up on the lyrics made me laugh. So yeah, and we didn't even mention him, him in Cinema Classics, but he was the guy. He was like the victim right. of the bird attack, so he was all over <laughs> right. the place too. Right, <laughs> getting attacked by the sandwiches and yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I think it was Keenan, which mm. is a basic answer, I guess. Yeah. But Keenan was Reese Duat. He was in the prominently featured in the souvenir souvenir store sketch. So and the stroll into and the, the stroll into the poles. Mm-hmm. So. He is an easy choice every week, but I thought he was very good, and I really do like uh, Reese DeWitt. Yes. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic. So then uh, going for kind of stock up, stock down, who are you buying tickets for? So we'll start with The Strokes. How are you feeling about them? I don't I don't think I would buy tickets to see them live. Yeah. I think they're kind of uh, boring live, but I, I like their music. So, yeah, I, I'd buy their album. Yeah, I, I, it's so funny. I don't think I would buy their album, but I would not be upset if they came up on like my Amazon music playlist. Yeah. I think that's where I am with them, that they are, there are music, there are songs that I like. Mm-hmm. These were also good, but not in a way where like, you know what I need to do? I need to listen to a whole Strokes album. It's fun on rock band. They're fun on rock band. You know what's funny? They're, they're <laughs> one of those groups that I associate with like rock band yeah. or if you're playing like a sports video game, they'll be like on the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Like they're a title so, like a title theme for like Madden 12. Right. Yeah. It's like they're nostalgic and you're like, why do I feel this way about them? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll keep them in, in rock band. So yeah, certainly not stock down. They didn't do anything wrong. It was just, right. they continued to be the strokes. Yeah. They're plateaued. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Randall's calling it. Yeah. They've, re- they've reached their peak. They've reached their peak. They're at apex mountain. Uh, and then, for John Mulaney, the answer is, of course, Always, yes. yeah. All the time, always just do more, more things. More, more, more. So that's kind of it for this week. The good nights, we got to see Jim Carrey's face, so that was mm-hmm. nice. He was wearing a face shield as opposed to a mask, as I think Melissa was as well. Yeah. So uh, again, no Cecily. Again, no 80. 
Uh, New Guy Andrew was in a Cup for Time sketch, but not on the show proper. Lauren was in the musical sketch. Yeah. And Bowen Yang was in the musical. Bowen Yang was in the musical sketch. Punky was in Stroll into the Poles. So our new cast members and even our feature cast members are kind of struggling for for time. Yeah. And then I think the idea is that Cecily and Aidy are just unavailable right now. Yeah. Still credited members of the cast. They're just elsewhere doing other things. Yeah. So next week. I don't know who it is. It's Dave Chappelle, which is stressing me out. Why is that stressing you because out? Because he did the episode after the election four years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a... I, I, I don't know if that's a good sign or a bad sign. I think it's a sign. <laughs> um, I think that's a good choice. He's, he's a lot like John Mulaney, where I think he will he's going to know what to say regardless what happens. That's a good point. And so I, I like that decision, and and I think he's he's such a, especially this summer with some of the stuff that he was putting out, uh, he's very good at understanding what is going on and oh, articulating it. I agree. I agree. I, I just saw that and went, uh, yeah. Last time he hosted, well, uh, it's interesting because I they posted these the, these things on on Twitter, and Chris Rock retweeted it a couple of times, and when Dave Chappelle hosted it four years ago. Chris Rock showed up. Yeah. The other thing, so the, this is where the way that they announced it is on the cork board with the day and the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know who's listed under Dave Chappelle as the musical guest? Who? No one. There is no announced musical guest for next Saturday. Huh. And I don't believe that Dave Chappelle is going to be singing. <laughs> so that's something I guess we're going to find out later in the week. So this one is pretty unprecedented as episodes go because this will be the sixth new episode in a row which SNL has never done. Yeah. Yeah, and at the beginning of the year or the beginning of the season Lauren said that this is the They were going to do it. They were going to do 5. Right. Which would have been this one. And then right. they were going to take a hiatus next week. Yeah. But then I guess they felt like they had to do a show post election. Yeah. Uh post election day. So then now they have this one for Saturday and they haven't announced a musical guest. So I'm going to be interested to see what they tell us between now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Maybe <laughs> I don't know. We we might not know who our musical guest is, and we might not know who the president is. Both of those we'll figure out <laughs> later. Yeah, I I I really like your point though. That even though I'm getting like uh, weird kind of like flashbacks from from yeah, four years vu. ago, yeah, yeah, to have Chappelle there, I think you're right that he is the right voice for that moment. If there is either an unfavorable result or uh, uh, uncertainty mm-hmm. that I think he's a good person to have there. Yeah, yeah. Because he is very good discussing uncomfortable things. Mm-hmm. And that's why. And he's, and I, lo- I love Dave Chappelle. I, w- the Chappelle show was my like freshman, sophomore year of college. And I, it's a brilliant stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's been getting a little bit of traction now that they, uh, that I know white people game show that he did on the second season of Chappelle's show. I recently saw pop up on, um, TikTok, where like some mm-hmm. of those kind of political things that he did, or kind of race relations things he did almost twenty years ago, right. are kind of finding new life. Yeah. So Dave Chappelle, who's a great stand-up, uh, good sketch comedian. Yeah. Not a, like he he did when he had Chappelle show. It was filmed, and I think having a filmed sketch show is different than having a live sketch show. Yeah. But he's great. I I look forward to his stand-up monologue. I look forward to what he has to say. I am I. Obviously, I have no idea what's going to happen over the next few days. Yeah, I follow Dave Chappelle on Instagram. Okay. And he has been doing outdoor uh, comedy shows this whole time. Okay. Like when he, uh, that George Floyd video that he posted, um, that was filmed on the stage that he built outside. He's been doing it this whole time. So I have a feeling he's got some really good stand up points to make. And then he might have to scrap them all depending on how the. Yeah. Election goes. Well, and I think production of the show starts on Tuesday. Yeah. So maybe they get an extra day off. That would be nice. Yeah, right. Because why even why even try? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what sketches they're gonna be pitching on Tuesday that will be relevant on Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're we're gonna get a reoccurring sketch of the Chris Rock Dave Chappelle voting night 
Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. There, I, I think that that is probably a lock. All right. Well, so that is it for this episode. So you can follow us on Twitter at SNRewindPod. So check us out there. You can find Randall at Fresh Cut Randall, both on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Mr. B Paradise without an E on Instagram and Twitter. If you would like to email us, you can email us at SNRewindPod at gmail.com. And the best thing you can do for us to grow the show is to tell your friends and like and rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform that you're using. So that allows us to kind of move up higher on the lists and more people can find us. We're having a great time talking to each other, but we just want to share this with as many people as possible. So Mm -hmm. go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are using. So Randall, thank you very much for talking SNL with me. Uh, Thank you, Brian. Of course. So we will see you next week. Have a good week, Randall. Yeah, have a good week.